Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, our guests are Pit Viper co-founders Chuck Mumford and Chris Garson, and I am talking with them, of course, about string theory, their origin story, hot dogs, new Pit Viper products, and a whole lot more, including working with Rob Gronkowski, their evolution as a company, Chuck Mumford's Ski Emporium, and... Chuck's philosophy of ski reviewing. So yeah, like I said, and a whole lot more. Now, two things here just before we get going. First of all, I need to give a shout out to our Blister Podcast listeners in Atlanta. A couple weeks ago on Reviewing the News, Cody Townsend and I somehow, I don't remember how, but we got talking about Atlanta and I told Cody that I was sure that We had a diehard contingency, you know, among our 100 listeners of the Blister podcast, and I asked y'all to reach out, and a good number of you have, and I have been meaning to do this, but I'm going to try to figure out a way that is not invasive to your personal privacy, but I want to connect the group because a lot of you are asking to be connected, so shout out to all you good people, our listeners in Atlanta, And take that, Cody. I told you. So email coming from me soon. Let's get you all connected for, you know, those Blister podcast listening parties. Second thing, just a reminder about our Blister Plus Spot Insurance membership. Just this past week, I heard from two people who told me that they signed up for our Blister Plus Spot membership. Then they got hurt. And because they signed up, they are covered for the injuries that they sustained. Now, on the downside, I also heard from one more person who told me that they were intending to sign up, but they didn't get around to it yet, and then they got hurt, and now they get to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for their high deductible. So folks, before you go skiing or snowboarding or mountain biking or kayaking or trail running, well, get yourself covered before you get hurt and we are going to save you many thousands of dollars because with our Blister Plus Spot coverage, you get $25,000 worth of accident insurance and that is with a $0 deductible and that is for $399 on the entire year. That's 12 months of coverage for $399. But the way this works, you need to sign up and get this Blister Plus Spot membership before you go wreck yourselves. And then if and when something goes awry, well, at least you're not going to get wrecked financially. So we will include a link in the show notes of this episode for that Blister Plus Spot membership. It includes a lot more information and the specific activities that are covered. And folks, you know, we care about you. Maybe especially those of you who live in Atlanta. I'm really high on those of you who live in Atlanta right now. But um, even the rest of you, if you don't live in Atlanta, get yourselves covered and it's just going to be the right move. So again, check the show notes for the link to our Blister Plus Spot membership. You'll get all the information right there. 
And now, let's talk with the evil geniuses behind Pit Viper. Here we go. All right, well, I am here with Chuck and Chris, the co-founders of Pit Viper. And obviously, guys, I wanted to talk with you today because I really wanted to get your thoughts either on chaos theory or string theory. So, Chris, I think we should start with you. Which should we start with? Certainly. I mean, honestly, you have to start at chaos theory because that is the precursor to string theory. And I, I think, you know, your listeners will obviously know this, but the the quantum mechanics that allow for the space for chaos theory to exist is the only way that you could extrapolate um, and build something like string theory that really ties everything together. And, you know, honestly, we're all just trying to figure out how those quantum mechanics will work uh, together with a unifying theory of physics. And, you know, that's the gold standard is the unifying theory. Wow. Chuck, thoughts? Well, I think this came up because of string theory and how Chris and I must be connected in some kind of way to start a company like Pit Viper. Yes, that is how it came up. And now you're supposed to add to Chris's rather remarkable opening monologue. So what do you have to contribute from here to forth? Well, taking it to string theory, um, and maybe let's use a wavelength as an example. I think we're flying a together on a similar wavelength for us to be able to collaborate and figure out what kind of sunglasses people want and need. <laughs> it's good. It's solid. Before we move on, Chris, chaos theory, string theory, is this something you've actually studied, have read, are just good at faking things? Help us out here. I'm a big fan of Carl Sagan, and I don't even know if string theory and chaos theory were something that he ever talked about. Uh, but, you know, you you follow Carl Sagan long enough, you get exposed to a lot of different concepts. And then, you know, kind of just fake it till you make it, really. I, I know little to nothing about it, to be honest. But, yeah. It sounded good. The unifying theory is it's a good bit. It's a good bit. So, okay, we're off to, I think we're just, we're sprinting right out of the gates here. And I think that's good. So from the unifying theory of everything to Chuck's thought that the start of Pit Viper really is, well, not just the start, but the start and the success of Pit Viper is really due to this shared wavelength you two are on. We were actually just talking that might be called the kumquat wavelength you can you can you can cement that in pit viper history if you know if you like when the definitive biography is written on your company but from there maybe we do just circle back a little bit to the origin story of this company of yours chuck when did you first start thinking about starting an eyewear company we started um I was like kind of a skiing guy, you know, I was always skiing. I was traveling and living in my van, going to free skiing competitions, um, trying to be everybody's hero and really look super cool on skis constantly. 
I was always um, making that my life passion of being what most people in the greater world would say, like a ski bum. And so I was ski bumming it out in my van, um, decided to travel and ski as a lifestyle choice in my van. It was a super fun way to live. Um, this is before van life. Um, it was more like, I think we've, it's been coined somewhere as maybe like poor and creepy. Um, <laughs> poor, poor and creepy life. So that, that was fun. Um, traveling around skiing a lot. One day needed sunglasses and with friends, I stumbled across through military surplus store, a exceptional pair of eyewear. It was, um, a nineties military surplus glasses. And I put them on and said, this is fucking me. This is the look that I need. And started skiing in them, um, ski touring in them. It was their incredible performance just gave me so much vigor. So I was excited about that. Um, from there found more and more of these sunglasses through internet sites that auction items. Um, and just slowly bought more and more of them. Um, and distributed them through networks in the ski community, like the tram deck at Snowbird, um, mostly trading for hot dogs and um, beer, pretty much. And that was really, really fun time of my life. Uh, uh, I in April first at in Little Cottonwood Canyon, you can camp in your van. It, it just says overnight parking is allowed. Um, starting in April 1st and snowbird season went much longer than that, that season. So I was sleeping at this cut lot right at the base of little cottonwood, waking up, hitchhiking up to the mountain with a grip of sunglasses to trade for beers and hot dogs and skiing my ass off. Um, in which was a wonderful spring we had, it was so fun. Um, and I did that for about a month straight and was like, this is, this is pretty awesome. I like this way more than working. Um, and, uh, then traveled back home to Vermont, um, where I decided it was like, uh, it, I couldn't get it out of my head. This, these sunglasses and kept thinking maybe this is something I wanted to like, I couldn't get enough of. I was addicted, I guess would be the, the case of it. addicted to this, this sunglasses shape and style. Um, then from there, um, decided maybe I should paint these and they would look cooler. Did a few pairs painted, elevated it, worked with some friends saying, I think this needs to be, this needs to say Pit Viper on the logos on the lens and we'll put some stickers on there. After that, um, always had in the back of my mind, my friend Chris Garson is back in Salt Lake where I need to go back to uh, being a ski bum, the best thing you could ever do in your life. Um, and I know he loves this. We were friends for a long time and I know that he's going to love these and he's going to want to help me put this on the internet. So long story short, I'm now I'm back in Salt Lake city, drove my van with all my sunglasses possible. Um, had a long road trip to get back to Salt Lake for the ski season and start working, uh, selling skis at a ski shop. Um, and was like, check this out, Chris. Now they're painted and they look really fucking cool. And they say pit viper on them. And he was like, oh, that is cool. 
I knew I could see it in his eyes um, because he wasn't wearing any sunglasses. So I could, so I could see it in his eyes so easily. And now I'm parked in Chris's van. I'm painting these sunglasses in his garage. Kind of like I'm doing this dude. You, I know you, I know you, you like it. So I'm just going to, I don't, and I have nowhere else to go. So, uh, then I'll say, then Chris is like working and he can take his side of the origin story now. Sure. Yeah. I think it, so I had just, uh, taken my first ever like real job nine to five and was working as a marketing manager at a pyramid scheme that sold snake oil and hated my life. And, um, I quit that, went traveling for a little bit, came back, didn't have much uh, money to my name, but was working ski coaching, uh, was coaching trampolines up in Park City, stuff like that, uh, trying to just make it by. And yeah, that summer, um, or I guess it would be closer to the fall, uh, my good friend Chuck Mumford here uh, comes back and parks his van in my driveway and there's not much like um conversation about you know staying with me or doing it like participating but chuck always uh you know made it worth it to have him around he was always good about like pitching in where he could so you know it was nice to have him and he was spray painting these cool sunglasses in uh my in my garage and so yeah, I think, you know, I had also on the side had like a little sticker company where, you know, level one needed uh, 5,000 die cuts and I would make 5,000 die cuts for uh, level one or, you know, one of my biggest contracts ever was like Dina Star. I was like, yeah, I get to make 30,000 stickers, which was terrible. But, uh, you know, we I had a sticker machine. And as Chuck mentioned, you know, he wanted to put the logos on the lenses. And I was uh, uniquely positioned to be able to do that really easily. Not to mention Chuck and I had spent countless late nights talking about business ideas and running it through. And so uh, one of the days that he was painting uh, these sunglasses, I came up to him and uh, told him, yo, let me in on what you got going. I want to put these on the internet. Let me make a website uh, and we can cut out all the logos uh, on my sticker machine and put them on the lenses. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, uh, you know, fortunately agreed. Uh, then at that point forward, we were business partners and, um, yeah, I think it's like the number of nights that we sat around me trying to take product photos of the, uh, sunglasses that he had just painted in my garage. And then we just like cut out logos on our sticker machine and started putting logos on the lenses and um yeah building a website and getting them live and then the rush of that first sale from the website and it was like oh you can not just trade these for rides up to snowbird (laughs) but you can uh you can actually uh you know people are interested in buying these things so i i think uh at that time we were you know uh 
taking the military surplus, painting them, stickering them, selling them on our website for like $40 or something like that. And we thought that was like the end all be all like we did it. Mm-hmm. We we don't have a dollar to our names, but uh, we found a product that people actually want to buy. And um, yeah, it was incredible. Just like the response and uh, the like positivity that we were getting from people, uh, even though, you know, we were just like scraping by and like these were f- far from like a finished, polished, perfect product. But uh, yeah. Lil Cottonwood Canyon, uh, Snowbird and Alta really like took to them. And I think that's in large part to, uh, you know, Chuck's, uh, character and his ability to like, just create that like fun, inclusive vibe. And, you know, he was trading it with lifties at, uh, the Collins lift at Alta and, you know, you'd see a lifty in pit vipers and, uh, just kind of started to catch on like wildfire up there and started just, uh, growing the brand organically. And yeah, I, I think I mentioned just before we started recording is we really attribute, uh, we about put like about $500 each into the founding of the brand. And that was a lot of money for us to stake. Uh, but Chuck had put basically his savings into buying uh, these military surplus sunglasses. I put some money towards uh, the first month rent at a very, a minimal warehouse uh, to upgrade us out of my garage. And yeah, we we're kind of off to the races wow. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. When Chris got that, uh, when we rented that and we, we said this is going to be our first like business headquarters. Um, I was really excited because I was like, Oh, I could, I can build a shower in there. And I did. And you did. And I showered out of it for a, Probably three years, maybe more. There is one question that, Jonathan, you should ask Chuck, uh, and I'm just going to help you and ask yeah. him. Uh, Chuck, what's the most interesting thing you've ever traded Pit Vipers for? Um, I think the dreadlock was cool. The uh, dreadlock? Yeah. I, I wish you could remember this woman's name, but she's like, I got really cool thing to trade for you. And I just, and she convinced me to trust her and I did. And the next day she had saved her dreadlocks that she just shaved off and presented me one as the, the gift, the trade. And that was, that was pretty cool. Um, took me by surprise. I didn't, it's not what I expected. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. And that was definitely something that was very apparent when you just say, I'll trade you anything. You just try it and people will, people are creative. There are creative people out in the world. Okay. So if dreadlock is the number one answer, what's like the number two answer? Uh, for strange or for, for, for like strange, strange. That one really stands out. I think we could yeah. do something. <laughs> I got a lot of like pins flare, you know, that was, and that we started making, I think a lot of these type of like, um, these pins because people were always trading them to us. Gotcha. But people that have drugs, they will offer you drugs. 
<laughs> I, I think I turned more drugs down than I accepted. And wow. it was just because it was like, no, we got, there's, they're just ready to give them away. That's wow. for sure. So they, they like the drugs, but they're also willing to part with their drugs, which maybe was an indicator to you. Like we are really onto something with these sunglasses. Yeah. They're way better than drugs. <laughs> pit viper, pit vipers, mm-hmm. way better than drugs. There yeah. you go, Chris. You can use that for your next, yeah, for your next marketing campaign. Yeah, you might see that in social media very soon. <laughs> okay, I got a number of follow-up questions from from all this. So I think, first of all, we need to give people a bit of a timeline. So Chuck, you first come across these military surplus sunglasses. What year are we talking? Uh, I think 2012, I guess it was, yeah, 2012, spring of 2012. Then that was the the tram deck story. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's still so funny to me because like we started Blister before you started Pit Viper. And I I always think it's the other way around that we're newer than you guys. It's just a random fun fact that has nothing to do with anything. When did you start Blister? 2011. January 2011. Yeah. Uh, pretty close though. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I wasn't too far off the, the kumquat cosmic wavelength, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, my most pressing question here, you kept talking about how you were trading sunglasses for hot dogs. And I want to know where these hot dogs were. Were these like, wow, I was about to say pocket hot dogs, which maybe I will still say, but then that sort of is, brings to mind a different connotation. But like, are these like the jacket pockets of people at the bird? What are we doing here? No, 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 no. No, it, I mean, people get into it spring skiing in Little Cottonwood Canyon. They are, there's a lot of like back of the truck grills type of thing. You know, it's a lot of tailgating. Okay. So, so proper these are off the grill hot dogs, grill, not like gross jacket no, pocket hot dogs. Like okay. definitely need condiments. This is proper, proper dogs. Okay. Okay. I was like, man, this is gross actually. So that's a lot less gross now. So thank you for clarifying that. For the beers too, it would be, you go down to like the sundry shop and there was always the 24 ounce cans was always like the deal at the, at the snowbird to go, to go grab. And they'd have, it'd be like, I'd always try to work for two beers. Sometimes it would only end up to be one. You never know because you can then share. Give me, get two big beers, then you can, then we'll both drink one. It's nice. I like that. Social. Okay. So in those early days, you literally were not selling these. You were never taking money for these. It was always kind of a barter thing. That's what we call the first 100. We brought the first 100 pairs to Snowbird and distributed them for free, aka trades. Gotcha. And then after you distributed those first hundred, this is when you were thinking, like, we might have something here. Chris, you got to pony up 500 bucks. I'm doing the same. Here's our 500. Let's go 500 each. Let's go do this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think really the step before that was when Chuck took a, at first it was just like a regular rattle can spray can or spray paint to the frames and that was when he was back in Vermont and then came back for the fall and was 
So the first 100s are plain black, no logos, no nothing. And then he came back and was like, whoa, there's something here. And that's when it was really like, okay, there's, I think people will actually buy these. Yeah, the bright colors really brought the sunglasses to life. Got to go bright. Next important question, the name, Pit Viper. Was there a lot of back and forth on this? Was there a lot of spitballing of names? What's the origin story with the name? During the era of the first 100s at Snowbird, I feel like, was when the name got developed because of because we were skiing and we were using Pit Viper ski style at the time. That was something... Uh, the greater group of people running the jump lines and hitting the cliffs at Snowbird were like, you got to, you could be a pit bull and really be aggressive on the landing, or you could be a pit viper where you're a little slinkier, more smooth with a really strong bite. And that was where I gravitated. So we decided that we were pit viper ski group, basically. And at the same time, wearing the glasses and it fell into place so easily and naturally that we went with it. It's kind of an amazing name. I also feel really embarrassed that I've never heard Pit Viper as a skiing style. Like Pit Viper to me, like as far as I'm concerned, you all invented that name. How embarrassed should I feel that I like, I don't feel like this is actually a broader ski term. No, I think the sunglasses really swallowed it up. Gotcha. <laughs> whole like a like a snake well done well done um okay pit viper snake is actually because it has like a rattlesnake between the nostril and the eye they have like a pit quote unquote and it's a um, it's kind of like an infrared sensor to to be able to like hunt at night if so you will damn so many good connotations here Okay, so that's the name. So not a lot of back and forth. There wasn't like, we almost called it <sighs> Kumquat Wavelength, but at the last second switched up to Pit Viper. It's a pretty good band name. It, <laughs> oh my God, uh -huh. it is. <laughs> it really is. See, this is why you're the marketing genius, Chris. <laughs> Kumquat Wavelength, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a new emo band that uh, will enjoy 15 minutes of fame and then yeah maybe get a one-hit wonder out and then that'll be that probably yeah we'll go see him in portland once <laughs> once one time okay so you're spray painting sunglasses in chris's garage you now have a shower though you got a place to shower too so life life seems pretty good but talk a little bit about how you go from sort of literal garage operation to becoming the company that you are nowadays that, I mean, frankly, from an outside perspective, looks like you guys are sort of killing it. These things rarely are just linear. There's no obstacles that ever that come up. Talk a bit about, you know, from the early days to taking it into the current times. Sure. Yeah, I think after we first got the... Uh, little warehouse that we now affectionately call the Chuck Mumford Ski Emporium uh, because Chuck had probably on the order of like 150 pairs of vintage skis in there that he collected. Uh, that's another story for another time. Uh, but yeah, we uh, 
for the longest time, it was just kind of a slow grind between uh, the two of us, you know, trying to, you know, we started a Instagram uh, because that's what you do, but or did back then in 2012 and got the website live and started skiing around in them and getting a little bit noticed and selling a few pairs here and there. Um, and at some point we were able to bring on our first hourly employee, uh, Carly, who's still with us today. Uh, and that gave us a little bit of added capacity and we started selling a few more and started seeing a few people post, you know, themselves, uh, wearing pit vipers, um, on social media. And, uh, finally we, uh, got to the point where we had run through all of the military surplus that we could find anywhere. Uh, you know, we'd, gotten really good at the auction sites and anything else where we could grab up a hundred pairs or 200 pairs at a time. And, um, yeah, at that point, uh, we had gone through 10,000 pairs of the original military surplus. Uh, that, that means that Chuck hand painted 10,000 pairs. Um, and we're like, it was actually, it was honestly an inflection point where we were just not sure, like, how, where do we go from here? Like, if we want to keep continuing, I guess we have to have these made. Um, and we didn't have the money to make that happen. So we did what any uh, enterprising person did in 2016, which was launch a Kickstarter. Uh, and, you know, we, I think it was 2016. Anyway, don't hold me to the timeline. But um yeah, we had a goal of raising, I think it was $30,000 to try to create the molds and start uh, with a manufacturing partner and actually uh, have these uh, made and have our first ever uh, professional product. And yeah, we ran that Kickstarter. Uh, it was a little nerve wracking, but in the end, I think we came up with like $37,000, which was enough for us to pay for the molds and place our very first order. And that kind of kicked off the next stage of Pit Viper, where it was not manual process for us anymore. And we, our hands were free to work on the company and work on the product. Um, we, I, th I think we went, Chuck, we went to SIA that year, right? <laughs> SIA, does mm -hmm. anybody remember that show? No. <laughs> just, just after the Kickstarter, you went to SIA? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think uh, the Kickstarter was in October <laughs> and then we went to SIA that January with like our first ever real product minus uh any price lists any plans <laughs> for actual wholesale any like uh idea of what we were doing like uh, basically we used SIA as like a like branding a experience for hey we're pit viper yeah. and uh i mean it turned out great but yeah we had no clue what we were doing so so what happened people people were like these are sick we want to order some how do we do that what did you answer <laughs> basically if it was a wholesale retail buyer we would say no sorry we didn't get we that much attention we were we were coarse we were loud we had the loudest music 
we snuck in the most booze, I, pro I promise. Um, and we, it was just a exposure thing that we thought was low hanging fruit and people we knew and we could have a little presence there. Um, we did, um, we just got cubicles and we put up cubicles for, and said, we are a business. That was our theme. We put a sign up on normal printer paper that said, we are a business and we put cubicles up and then we put our sunglasses all over with lots of briefcases. Um, the briefcase was a really, um, exceptional, uh, part of, tool that I would use for carrying the sunglasses around. I could fit 20 pairs pretty much in a briefcase. When I was painting the sunglasses, I would use the extra paint left over on these briefcases and make them look all crazy and cool, um, bright colors. And everyone would always be like, what's in the briefcase, man. And I would say, because you know what they thought was in there. And I would open it up and be like, boom, sunglasses. And they were so excited that it was sunglasses because sunglasses are way better than drugs. And we've established that. Yeah. So then it would just open up this whole conversation. Like, what are you doing? How's this? And it was an awesome way to be able to like really connect on a deep level and people felt included. And then so like, be like, they're 20 bucks today from me here or um, whatever it was going to be. Um, it was always fun to be generous um, when people had like this energy, you could tell they put them on and they just had like this new, like it made their day and it, um, it was always something I enjoyed doing because of the happiness it would be spreading no matter, no matter what. Please tell me you have some photos from that original SIA booth. We do. We need to definitely post some of those up uh, with this episode. And I'm thinking I had to have been at the show that year, but either the, I call it like blister induced Alzheimer's, which is a real thing I, I experience. I, I, it kills me that I don't have my own recollections of this booth. I was probably running around just trying to talk with every ski company out there, but I feel like I missed the best part of the 2016 trade show. Let's just say our location was somewhere in the middle of a place that most people didn't go. <laughs> Gotcha. It was like the last pick. We got like the last pick, smallest option you could get. This was, it would have been easy to miss unless you just like followed your ears to the loudest music. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I feel slightly better about this, but it's still, still awful. But don't let me forget, I want to get some photos of this so we can share with folks because this, this actually sounds rather epic. I think we have to say, and much to your credit, the marketing of Pit Viper is absolutely next level. I know that you guys have said that, and in a previous conversation we've had that, you know, you, you have uh, appropriately, I think, thanked like the ski community for kind of buying in on this and really helping get you some of that initial traction. But certainly for anybody that's been paying attention to the brand over the last several years, I mean, the videos that you guys have been putting out and the rest is attention grabbing in the best possible sense of the term, I would say. So talk a little bit about when you really started diving into video stuff and shorts and, and that whole process. Cause not, I, I'd be hard pressed to name actually any company in the ski industry that I think is kind of hitting it on that on that front, like you guys are. 
I'll start with just saying that um, from the beginning, we one of the our main goals wasn't maybe this isn't you know our direct marketing goal, but just like a brand vision was that we're we're spicing it up a little bit. This is this industry um, outdoor sports was feeling stale to us and people were not having fun and they were not like they were taking it as a very serious note to all the things that we were doing. And it shouldn't, we felt like it wasn't, shouldn't be the case. We should have, be having fun. This should be party mountain. This is, we're all out here um, enjoying ourselves, doing our favorite thing, which is to be out in the outdoors. So that really snowballed our whole branding to be like this, um, kind of, Hey, yes, look at, we are having fun over here and we're going to kind of make sure everyone knows kind of, um, attitude. And then that snowballed into most of what we do. And we try to keep that like same kind of energy to, and extend it throughout the entire company. I think I could just add that, like, we were really inspired by, the generation that came before us in skiing um, and like all of the like hot dog style. Uh, I mean, there's several like Bogner films that really inspired us uh, fire and ice and like ski to the max is my personal favorite. And I, there's just like, even if it wasn't intentional, there's a humor to uh, what they were doing and it was all very lighthearted and um yeah we i think we just kind of felt like you know it was it was something worth taking a little less seriously and um having a good time with and so our marketing efforts reflected that reflected just chuck and my humor um and like kind of our intention of taking ourselves less seriously um but yeah, and then spe- speaking directly to the videos that uh, we've come up with and released, I mean, I don't even know if it's like really the most popular um, marketing efforts we've made, but uh, we're certainly proud of them. And like one of the first ones that come to mind is the uh, video that announced our release of our first ever goggles, the Goggles. And it was like, you know, we used Italo Disco, which um, is a incredible subgenre of music that you should really explore. And uh, then used basically old Bogner films as inspiration for what shots to get and how to put it together. And yeah, yeah, I I think um, you know maybe we're not doing anything like totally new. We're just like bringing back like this retro inspired, like content that uh, from a time where like, it seemed like people were having more fun with it. Um, yeah. At, the Pit Viper remix. One might no. say, or, or the Kumquat <laughs> remix. It could go either way. <laughs> Wow. I actually got a little snicker out of Chuck on that one. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself at the moment. Every time I say kumquat, I'll snicker. Okay. Can't help that. I'm sorry. It's like a drinking game. Chris, you said that some of the video stuff maybe hasn't actually been the most, I don't know if you said most popular, but, but let's talk this about this in terms of successful impact. 
what has been the most successful marketing initiative you've used? I think in this sense, I do mean toward like, you're like, oh my goodness, we just sold a ton of this product. It's hard to put my finger on one specific thing because it, it really is the culmination of all of our efforts. Um, what about Chris when you did Cyber Minute? That was Chris's idea, Cyber Minute. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was a fun, like, yeah, we started doing a uh, Cyber Monday Minute where it was literally a, a flash sale on Cyber Monday that lasted for one minute. Uh, and if you managed to get an order in at that moment, it was 50% off. And uh, otherwise, you know, too bad. Wow. And uh, that was certainly very popular. I think it, the the other thing that comes to mind is uh, uh, early on, Larry Enticer. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Larry Enticer, Jonathan, but um, we saw this Canadian guy uh, jumping and crashing an old enticer snowmobile. Oh yeah, and th- thought he was awesome. Yeah. This is just like the greatest thing we'd ever seen. Oh yeah, and you know, uh, true to our form, we just reach out and say like, "Hey man, here's Pit Vipers. We think you're great. Like no strings attached." But he he took them immediately, and then you know we established kind of. Uh, rapport. Uh, we ended up making like our first ever pro model, which was the uh, Larry Enticer Pit Viper. And um, even one time uh, traveled with him to X Games where he, <laughs> that year he was like the biggest celebrity at X Games, just walking around. We printed out posters for him to sign and everything. And yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, there's there's a part of that, like we call them key players. A lot of people maybe call them influencers, but we kind of have a different opinion of uh, who they are to us. And like the Pit Viper key players has been always so significant to like how we've marketed and, um, you know, how we've brought people into the fold and why like the, uh, you know, the recognition of the brand has grown. So far, this story sounds real like mom and pop shop type of thing. But then I just keep thinking about like, I mean, one of your key players now is a gentleman named Rob Gronkowski. Like, how are we making jumps from trading sunglasses for hot dogs, not not pocket hot dogs, but, you know, proper hot dogs off the grill, to be fair, but to then going to like, Working with, first of all, in my opinion, the best tight end in the history of football, but also one of the biggest personalities in the history of football. Explain, please. I think when you walk, like, before the trend of every company now makes a a certain type of quote-unquote pit viper, big wrap, full coverage sunglasses like what we make, people were really drawn to them everywhere you go. People would say, I love those sunglasses, man, or those are sick. And always everywhere you, we would go, we would just get this feedback and we'd be sending, we'd send out sunglasses to all kinds of people. And he ended up with them, um, through a, a 
somebody that we sent them out to. We don't, we don't really know. Maybe barstool sports or something like that. And he ended up with a pair of them. I, he probably just stole them from someone like, actually, I'm, can I have those? Uh, and they were like, you can have whatever you want, Rob Gronkowski. And he put them on and he just, to the day, he says that those are just his favorite ones. And he looks awesome in them. And it really fits with his vibe. Um, I manifested it before this even happened on Instagram. I posted um, a meme that I saw. It was the Yo Soy Fiesta um, meme with him. And I put the sunglasses on him um, and posted that. Um, and then through string theory or chaos, we don't really yeah. know. We've cleared we that up. Know. Yeah. He's now one of our guys. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. Shifting gears slightly. So, and this is one of the things that I was most interested in talking with you guys about. You've built this entire brand kind of upon party vibes and party mountain and hey, can we just have a bit more fun out there when we're doing this thing that no one needs to do except that it's fun. But I think that sometimes makes it a little bit hidden that turns out there are actually some really significant performance element. We'll we'll keep it right now just focused on the eyewear. So I was curious to ask you about that. And I know like talking with Spencer, shout out to Spencer, she and I have talked a bit about that where Spencer's like, dude, these things are actually quite good and useful and bring some things to the table that not all sunglasses bring to the table. But people just just think that we're kind of this fun, good times brand. So talk a little bit if that is a frustration you share, if you're like, nah, our customers figure it out that like, no, these things are actually great. What has that been like? You know, have you ever felt, I guess, like the party vibe presence marketing has kind of actually made people think, well, I'm sure those things aren't actually any good. These guys just like to have a good time. Chris? Certainly, I think that we allow our jokes and humor to lead us. And certainly, like, there's going to be people that have the impression that it's not a technical enough product for them. Um, But the original reason that we started skiing in these sunglasses and... um, that was the whole point whether these were sunglasses we could ski in it's because they were adjustable um we could fit them to our face really well um i personally loved like getting out of goggles that limit your uh, peripheral vision and um skiing in sunglasses that don't um so I like the performance aspect was always there in our mind. Um, and I don't know, we, we definitely like in person, uh, if we were at an event and showing you around the sunglasses, that's the first thing we go to is, uh, this is the turbo adjustment. It adjusts the, uh, tilt of the lens on your face. So it sits on your nose right where you want it to be. And this is the earpiece adjustment. We call it the e-spot. And uh, you can change the depth of the earpiece so that the earpiece sits on your ear right where you want it to be. Um, You can also bend the nose piece so that it fits your bridge just how you want. Like 
those were the selling features uh, to us to like actually ski in them originally. And sure, maybe we like made a few more jokes than we should have to uh, like really communicate that. But uh, we were comfortable with you know kind of letting the fun vibes uh, lead uh, the brand and letting the product kind of speak for itself, um, on the back end. So, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, uh, it's a foundation of, uh, Pit Viber itself is like, we're always going to make, um, uh, well, our goal is to always make expressive eyewear, uh, that still has a sport function to it. Um, we always, our, our goal is durable, um, functional and expressive. And so, you know, even uh, like your listeners won't know, but Chuck is uh, sitting here looking at us through heart-shaped pit vipers. Um, one of the new sunglasses that we just released called the Admirers. And we're like, well, heart-shaped sunglasses are awesome, but they're all just like, you know, $5 crappy shades from Target. So like, let's make something that is a little beefier and has these like TPR rubberized like nose piece and ear pieces to make it comfortable. And you know what? Uh, you can ski in these. Like, sure, like the the form, maybe not like the best ever skiing sunglass, <laughs> but better than your average Target shades. So yeah, that's that's kind of uh, yeah part of our philosophy for product. <laughs> Chuck, you look great, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But I knew that already. I know. I just have been sitting here admiring you, though. That's so why we also... call these sunglasses the admirer. See, so you're mesmerized. See? Yep. You could have called them the mesmerizers. Then I mean, let's <laughs> we'll we'll stick with it. You can. Stick with your thing. Yeah, we can we can add that to the product uh, product name brainstorm mm-hmm. for sure. The mesmerizers, okay. the hypnotizers. I have to share this anecdote. I'm gonna I'm gonna not mention any names here. To my point, that some people either don't understand some of the performance characteristics of this stuff. Right, Chris just spelled this out well. I heard from one of my. Uh, people here at Blister that they were just talking with someone who was a former gear editor at a very prominent publication who said that they just found out like a week or two ago that the pit vipers that they've been wearing for years have adjustable earpieces. They had no idea. I was like, this is amazing. Cause that's actually, that's actually the part of, of like, I, if I'm wearing pit vipers, I'm usually in the two thousands. And, uh, that's actually my favorite part is the, the earpiece, like the adjustable earpiece. And I thought that's amazing. Uh, this gear editor had no idea. Fun fact. Yeah. Tell, talk about more about your industry if you want. Um, and the knowledge base that the, yeah. these guys have, if you want, we will hold your hand. No, it's okay. Pe- people have heard my views uh, on that topic probably enough at this point. <laughs> I want to do one of two things. You guys can decide which we do first. I do actually want to talk about lenses and sort of lens technology and you know how pit vipers have evolved or haven't evolved. You know, in terms of the actual lenses, you mentioned goggles, so we can either start with the question of 
what led you to jump into the goggles game, but these are going to be kind of related, right? Like lens technology and why go into goggles when your whole company was built on a non-goggled product. Chuck, let's start with you. Where are we going? We just went with goggles um, as we were kind of a you only need sunglasses type of a brand because ultimately we were all skiers and we all, we knew what we need. Um, we, we did our first few pairs of goggles, the goggles and the goggles drawn there. Similar, just one's a little bit larger than the other. We wanted to offer affordability with like two really nice lenses. Um, and then from there now, as we've learned, um, we wanted to do a ground up build. Um, since we have all this expertise in our company, everybody's a Salt Lake city based now. So there's, we have so many good, good insights to what we want in our goggles that we figured we can make our own from the ground up because it's basically our expertise, like I said. So that's authentically what we want for ourselves. And I think with our genuine, um, need for this product we're building it for ourselves and we know that it's going to be good for everybody else our product team is filled with goggle designers our athlete team our goggle needers and we have it's a natural progression for us to make something right within our backyard yeah i i think it's funny we were uh just talking about this prior to this conversation too and we we were at a company based on sunglasses. You only need sunglasses. You don't need goggles. And then <laughs> I think we kind of just like got older and a little softer <laughs> and one too many snowstorms and uh, sunglasses. We're like, eh, you know, it might be sick. Maybe we should make goggles. <laughs> <laughs> be pretty cool to wear goggles and i mean it's a natural progression of our brand um like chuck was saying we're uh majority salt lake based um everyone um like in leadership is a skier um and it's just kind of a product we needed so you know the goggles and the goggles ground was our first stab at it um and as a you know very small eyewear company it's uh tricky to take a stab at a goggle that isn't just bought off the shelf in china so we wanted to go with a retro inspired goggle we thought that made sense with our brand um we did uh we loved it um it limited peripheral vision uh a little bit the first uh, one particularly they were the original goggles yeah and so we're actually very excited. We we brought on a, a true pro, uh, Mike Tabia, to our product team, who's you know cut his chops at Dragon back in the day, and um, has had actually has background as pro snowboarder. Is cool dude. Anyway, um, so he's heading up our goggle development um, and going into the uh, winter twenty twenty four. We'll have a new offering that we're very excited about. Um, it's pretty similar to like the premium features that you'll see in modern goggles and other companies. Um, but yeah, it's got our own Piv Viper flare. Um, and yeah, we're really excited about it. Are you going to call those the mesmerizers? 
Because that name's still just out there, just waiting for somebody to snatch it. You want to know what we're going to call him? Yeah, I guess not the Mesmerizers. Yeah, but please tell me. No, no, we already named him. Uh, we're going to call him the Proform. The Proform. Everybody gets everybody, everybody gets, gets a deal. Everybody gets a deal. That's excellent. I don't know if you're dodging the question or we just haven't got there yet, though. But um, lenses, we've all talked about this a bit, right? And I think um, we've talked about this previously on a Gear 30 podcast, but I think it would be helpful for some folks to get your thoughts on lenses. Are they all the same? Are they not all the same? But there's actually not an infinite number of real different options. What should potential customers know or anyone in the goggle market know about what they should be thinking about or understand about the lens options out there? Sure. So there's uh, material differences. Um, most lenses these days are polycarbonate and that is because it is a a good process to make a, a a solid lens that is safe to wear um, and is impact resistant. And you know, we haven't really touched on safety rated. That has been like one of our foundations of the company. So um, most of our lenses are polycarbonate. Um, they are very. That material is very flexible, where you can actually utilize it for a lot of different reasons. Um, there's certainly you can go up the range um, and uh, have uh, like high index plastics, Trivex. Um, it, you know, there's more premium materials uh, that come at a premium price. Um, however, I would argue that um, you know. Given your average Joe uh, looking through a polycarbonate lens and another lens, it is often the uh, lens tint and the um, coatings that make the significant difference and not necessarily the material. So as far as lens coatings and lens tints go, um, everybody's kind of pulling from um, you know the same bench. Um, and various brands have like their preferred combos. Um, and we are really just entering the market and understanding like our favorite combinations. We've kind of introduced uh, a full turbo vision, uh, which is our first offering of what we uh, consider a high contrast lens. Um and they're fantastic for like certain lenses are fantastic for like golf, uh, but I don't golf. Fuck golf. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, anyway, I, I, I would argue that like most importantly, you focus on uh, the lens tint and coatings um, and then, you know, low light lenses. Uh, it's, it comes down to like a preference, um, typically a yellow or an amber uh, lens um, with a high, high VLT. We we always quote VLT, visual light transmission, and it's um, you know higher VLT allows more light in, um, and with those tints, it pulls out the contrasts in snow. 
So now where we are at for PitViper is building out our lens library and actually um, creating you know combinations that are similar if if not better than uh, competitors on the market. It's tricky to do with uh, limited resources that we have, uh, but I'm very excited for you know the years to come and uh, the lenses that we uh, have coming down the pipe. Chuck, you and I have talked about this. My greatest nemesis in the world, Flatlight. And man, this season in Utah, if you guys have been skiing, I presume you're only skiing flat light because all it does is snow multiple feet every week, it seems. What is your current preferred choice, current preferred lens and or maybe it's a sunglass, maybe it's a goggle when you are out there doing battle in flat light on the mountain? Oh, low light winter in Utah this year. It's excellent. Um, can dream of anything better. Um, save on sunscreen. It's really sure. cool. Um, also, um, I have been wearing goggles. Um, I don't need them. Don't think I need them. Not that I'm not ready to admit that yet. Um, maybe someday. Um, but for, I've been using our yellow low light goggle lens. It's like, there's really nothing to it. It's, straight and narrow it's a bright yellow lens that illuminates the snow and it's almost easier to make a low light lens because it's personal preference the yellow lens i like because it's so close to like a clear but gives a little bit of contrast still still a lot of you see different things in the snow bumps and um different way the snow treated or the reflections off the snow and you can still see what uh, what type of snow you're going to be getting yourselves into, you know, in the steep and deep. So for anybody whose primary concern is just being able to see in snowstorms or flat light, I think to make sure I heard you correctly, this is where it's like actually keeping it real simple is going to probably work better than getting like really slick looking mirrored coatings or photochromic lenses that are, you know, going to be able to quote unquote adapt in different light. It's like, if you just want to see well on poor visibility days, maybe no mirrored coating, no photochromic, just go back to a, the simplest kind of high contrast yellow lens or pink lens or amber lens that you can find or that, or that you personally tend to prefer? I certainly say that's exactly where you need to start. You don't want to muddy it up too much with all these different options and something simple like that in flat light storm day or, um, yeah, full whiteout. I mean, it's just, you, you don't want to be relying on that. It's still just, it's going to be how well you can see ultimately, um, in the conditions and they're just going to allow you to have the most, like, I guess, simple approach is the way to go. Um, ski in the trees, ski in mm. the trees. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Ski in the we trees. Don't, we don't offer um, photochromic, um, for ski. Um, it's not the best application for it. Um, and 
we have had some low light mirrored sunglasses that work well for certain applications in cycling um, and ski too. I ski with them often because it gives a little bit of a reflection off the lens um, from the direct sunlight and the glare, um, but doesn't darken it so much that you're in the trees and you're, it's getting dark and then you're, you know, um, you're not limited by it. I'm going to put you two on the spot. How good are either of you at articulating this phenomenon of why on the worst visibility days you can see really well in trees? Who's got the best scientific explanation, most succinct and clearest explanation of this incredible phenomenon? Magic. <laughs> It's the unifying theory is actually magic. That's it. I mean, yeah. that that's I would say miracle. Mm. Like a, maybe one the, of the miracles I'm most spell. grateful. The gnomes spell is where the magic comes from, Chris. The gnomes that are in the trees. Oh, it, yeah, I, I didn't even consider that, but yeah, it's it's probably at least partially due to yeah. the gnomes. The gnomes. Chuck Mumford, man. Just the, the wisdom you drop. It's really, we need to have you on okay, a thanks. lot more. I do think it's kind of remarkable. I mean, we, we all really, really like skiing, do it quite a bit. The fact that none of us can actually really articulate this very well is actually shocking given the significance of it to our lives. And maybe the fact that we're still alive because we haven't died skiing in super white out, you know, flat light, thanks to the trees and the gnomes. I, just something I was thinking about the other day. Everyone's nodding. Uh-huh. We're all nodding vigorously. I'm, we're not really sure where to go with this other than thank you. Thank you, gnomes. Thank you for your efforts. Love those guys and gals. Yeah. I need to let you guys get back to running a mega conglomerate company soon, you know. So... I did want to ask you about this, though. The foray into more technical apparel. So I know you have made some base layers, but I kind of really think about this more in terms of the mountain bike apparel that you all have rolled out. Just would be curious to hear you talk about like, wow, that's a whole brand new education, how that's gone and whether you care to tell us if maybe there are plans to go deeper or broader across the kind of technical apparel landscape. We started with a mountain bike apparel, um, mostly because when we weren't skiing, we were mountain biking and... But not golfing. No, we do make golf shirts. They say fuck golf on them. Um, but they are for golf that say fuck golf. But And that's that's a whole other world of technical. Um, mountain bike is a little more technical than golf, I think, because you know there's, there's so many moving parts. But we, we went down that line because with our athletes and everybody that we're supporting, um, especially in the company and ourselves, mountain biking is what we transition to for summer sport. And our glasses were exceptional for cycling. And that was kind of part of our, the passion behind everything Pit Viper was that they would work great for us. So going to the mountain bike technical apparel, you can't, 
it's people aren't really getting away with t-shirts, cotton t-shirts because of how sweaty it was. And then we said, well, we can make a few of these other items too with technical function, but then finally let somebody put some bright print and color on these jerseys and shorts. Um, and we felt like that was a place for us. Yeah. I, I mean, in the end, everything that we make is because uh, we have use for it and we you know, want to take out our own Pit Viper mountain bike apparel and ride around here. Um, it's, I think it's been awesome. The high speed off-road, um, gears and now it's third year. Um, and we've been making fit adjustments and material adjustments, uh, year after year, uh, while sticking to pretty much the same template, um, and just dialing in the features that we really like. Um, and you know, it, it's awesome to also just get feedback about that gear from, uh, you know, riders that are far better than me. Um, the athletes that we have, uh, riding for pit Viper and like, it, we're able to kind of make adjustments easily based on their feedback because there's not many people in between like Chuck and I and them. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know, like speaking to your question, like, are we going to go broader or deeper into this, uh, like technical apparel? I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's determined yet. Um, we, we make the bike gear because it's a, uh, solid story, uh, for us to tell. It's a great gear for us to use and it's awesome uh stuff for our athletes to take photos in um and yeah beyond that uh, if there's other specific technical apparel that we uh think we want to endeavor in in the future we might but there's no like grand plan for it at this point yeah we didn't one part of it i think was that we wouldn't want like as an example we wouldn't want Dylan Stark in Rampage, we, we want him showcased in expressive to highlight our expressive sunglasses in that this is, he's, he's with Pit Viper, the fun guys. The fun guys. Final thoughts on new products you care to highlight. We've talked about the admirers. We've talked about the goggles. We've got new goggles coming out 2024. What else should we highlight and let our listeners know about today uh we're super excited about the tryhards uh which is our cycling specific uh pair of sunglasses that we just released uh it maintains some of the adjustability features that are in the original pit vipers um also it comes with bonus lenses uh, so you have a dark tint lens and a light lens for low light conditions. Um, personally, like for mountain biking, I always love to rock the low light lens because you don't get the glare that you get off of snow for skiing. Um, so, you know, having the high contrast lens in the woods is very helpful. Um, so yeah, the tryhard um, is kind of our, um, favorite showcase piece at the moment we have 
a lot up our sleeves for the rest of this year that I'm also very excited uh, to release. And I highly recommend that if anybody is at least slightly interested in uh, where we're trying to take uh, Pit Viper Eyewear, follow us. Uh, you probably might find us on like Instagram or hmm. TikTok if you're on that. I don't know. Hmm. Jonathan, are you on TikTok? No. I heard it's a, I heard it's a, it's a conspiracy, right? These are, these are hot topics these days in the U S what, what are we doing with, with, uh, you know, TikTok and are we going to regulate it into oblivion? And, uh, we probably should turn to kind of geopolitics at this point. I think that we started with yeah, let's get chaos and, and string theory. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I am not. But you guys are. And I, I take it that people can just look up, you know, Pit Viper. Um, I know they can find you on Instagram there. Unless on TikTok you went with Kumquat Wavelength, but otherwise I'm just assuming it's Pit Viper. <laughs> it is. Pit Viper sunglasses. Yeah. Check it out. It's, if you're on TikTok, I'm not. Last question, I promise. We got to go back to Chuck Mumford's Ski Emporium. So 150 vintage skis. If I asked you at this particular point in time to single out a favorite, what would you go with if only for, you know, this right now today, Chuck, what, what jumps to mind? I have a pair right over here. I'm looking at a rad dog or research dynamic, uh, Valdez extreme, um, the, the speed, the super G ski. It's two Oh nine centimeter i've got some um pivot 18 uh, bindings on it and the colors are exceptional a very difficult ski to maneuver not you don't want to take it lightly because it's it is first very heavy and um stiff and straight ski um definitely some of my favorites um i just wanted all these skis not to go in the landfill. And so as a collector, not a hoarder, not a hoarder, although I have New England roots where all the hoarders mm -hmm. come from. That's right. I think that's right. That's right. Yep. I was just a collector because I only hoard. I mean, I only collect skis. I don't really hoard or collect anything else. Gotcha. Related point. We were talking a bit about how maybe you should review skis for us. And I think we should share with people before I let you guys go, you know, your basic philosophy of skiing and ski reviewing. What would that look like, Chuck? Well, I think fundamentally, I would say every ski is better than not skiing. So if you go skiing and you're on a ski and you're like, I don't know about the side cut and the curve and the base, uh, the rocker and all the width and this and the base material or not ski you choose <laughs> i'm always going to choose whatever give me whatever and i'll i'll go i do agree that some skis are better than others i'm not going to go totally flat there um but just bring yourself back to life guys when you're reviewing skis and remember that it is fun and you actually they're all pretty good because you are skiing even if it's the worst ski ever made it's better than not going even if you're on the uh, ski you absolutely hate it's still better than the alternative, which would, if it, if in this case, the alternative is just not skiing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 
So that's basically, we, we established that all of Chuck's ski reviews would basically say something like, it was pretty good or really awesome because it was better than not skiing. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's pretty much as far as I need to go, I feel like. <laughs> so when, when Chuck spins off his next venture, which is Mumford Ski Reviews, well, we've actually just told you what every review will read like. So there you go. A little teaser on that one. Yeah, like uh, maybe a Pit Viper Takeover Blister Gear Review Day. Oh. And we all ski on them and we're all like, yeah, those are all pretty good. <laughs> yeah, those were good. <laughs> all of those were way better than not skiing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good job, ski manufacturers. <laughs> okay. Okay. I The wheels are turning. This might this might need to happen. The, the Pit Viper Blister Takeover Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Look at that. What a, what a note to end on. Gentlemen, congrats on what you've built up. It doesn't at all sound like you're slowing down here uh, anytime soon, so that's pretty cool. And uh, we shall stay tuned with interest to see uh, what you got rolling down the pike next. So, again, congratulations and uh, good luck, continued success, and um, we'll, we'll talk further about the Pit Viper Blister Takeover Day. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> Thanks, John. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Chuck and Chris for making the outdoor industry just a bit more fun. I want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And if you are enjoying these Blister Podcast conversations, please take 60 seconds to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us keep this whole thing going and growing. And if you leave us a review, maybe we'll actually do a Blister Podcast with someone smart and they can explain why we can see well when skiing in trees on whiteout days. Either that or I just should have paid better attention in like eighth grade science class. I don't know, but we'll do that if you would like to know some real answers to that. Well, unless it really is the gnomes. Anyway, that's all we got. But one last reminder, do check out our Blister Plus Spot membership. Sign up and get yourselves covered and protected before you go get too silly on a pair of skis or on a snowboard or in a boat or on a bike, etc., 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 check it out. Link is in the show notes, and I will talk to you real soon.